going to play a single for you. It's a song called Fish Market by a group called Steely and Cleavy. Give this a listen. It's awful, but just bear with it. Okay, now you've probably never heard this song before. Uh, unless you're really, really into Steely and Cleavy. Uh, it was released in 1989. Now, you may not have heard the song, but listen to the beat. You've heard that. You've heard that. It's ubiquitous at this point, especially in Latin music. It is used all the time. And you know what that means? Lawsuits. More and more <laughs> lawsuits for stealing music, especially this one. It is it is big, and it's a pretty important case. And to help us understand what's going on and what's at risk here, we're going to chat with Alan Cross now, a musical historian, host of the Ongoing History of New Music. Alan, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Fascinating little story here, hey? Yeah, it's it's a dangerous one. I don't think this is going to get too far in the courts, uh, but it is something that we need to pay attention to because of the blurred lines case of 2016 now that song was ruled in violation of copyright because it felt too much like a marvin gay song called gotta give it up okay now this 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 i mean this is what you're talking about this beat alan that's what's at issue right and the I mean, I, you, you, I I can see that I can see people dancing to it. I've heard it in a million different songs. That's the thing. It, it, that's a fundamental piece of so many different kinds, of, or one kind of music in particular, I guess. Right. Right. Now, when it comes to plagiarism, uh, there are a couple of things that are are off limits. Number one, you cannot plagiarize a melody. Secondly, you can't plagiarize a certain part of the song's musical structure. You cannot copyright a song title, and you cannot copyright, traditionally, a beat. because, uh, And you can't copyright uh, a chord progression, because chord progressions and beats are the foundations of songwriting. Everybody uses the same yeah. chord progressions. Everybody uses the same beats. And this beat is called a dembo beat. And Steely and Cleavy claim they came up with it. It was a really obscure song released on an independent label in Jamaica. It was a seven-inch single, and it was a B-side. So it's something that (laughs) not a lot of people know anything about. But it does have that sort of shuffly drop beat that has showed up in a genre called reggaeton. And reggaeton is a big part of Latin American music. And Latin American music is currently taking over the world. So someone, uh, I think one of the guys died. I can't remember if it was Stevie, uh, Steely or Cleavy. One of them has retained some lawyers saying that their beat has been ripped off by dozens and dozens and dozens of artists in hundreds of songs. And this constitutes intellectual property infringement. And we want money, which is really difficult because, again, a beat is something that cannot be copyrighted because if that were the case well then you know if somebody comes up with a waltz beat sure or, like, a, or the samba you know, or a bossa nova there's a million 
there's a million, then then who you know who owns the rights to that beat, which again is a fundamental building block of music. And we, we have seen lots of situations where songs are built on similar beats. I'll give you an example. There's the Jet song, Are You Gonna Be My Girl, yep. mm-hmm. which has a very similar beat to the beginning of Lust for Life from Iggy Pop, which David Bowie stole from a theme from American Armed Forces Radio, which comes from the <laughs> Bo Diddley beat from the back, back in the 1950s, yep. which is based on the old shaving a haircut two bits beat from the 1910s and 1920s. So uh, that is a, a an example of, of how a beat has been used as an influence in a building block through decades and decades and decades. If there is a jury dumb enough to say that that simple Dembo beat belongs to Steely and Cleavy, we have a problem. Okay, now some of the artists that have been targeted here, you name it, right? Bad Bunny, Justin Bieber, the biggest names in music. Yeah, so what they're, they're doing, what these lawyers are doing, and I'd like to know more about the, the firm. This seems like a, a lot of ambulance chasing to me because uh, what we have seen in the last 10, 12 years are artists or lawyers who are going to visit older artists who may have had a song uh, that sounds similar to something contemporary. And they think that, well, if we make a big enough noise, we'll be paid off to go away and not proceed on charges of intellectual and copyright infringement. Uh, so this right now is, is a, you know, what they've done is they've cast their net very wide. They're, they're trying to sue everybody for this particular thing. And uh, it, it, it's getting attention. It's drawing attention to how copyright rules are being abused for the sake of trying to squeeze money out of people who have successful songs. Well, I mean, this is an issue. Ed Sheeran talked about this with the case that he recently went through. He's like, you know what? I'm just about done with this. Like, I can't do anything. Someone's coming after me. I mean, do we need to put some kind of rules in and sort of say that, you know, start slapping back, putting some... I mean, how do we stop this? Because there's always a buck to be made, right? Yeah, there is. And uh, that's that's why the whole copyright, song copyright situation needs to be looked at from a legal perspective. Uh, and again, the, the most dangerous one, in my my view, was, was the Blurred Lines thing, because we were dealing with two songs that were not the same, but just felt the same, had the same vibe. So, you know, every songwriter builds on their influences and tastes and things that they've heard in the past. You know, whoa, even the Beatles would be sued for, for some of the the songs that, that they wrote if, if this were were the case. So uh, I, I hope that this gets tossed out. But there has been a number of cases just successful enough to keep these kinds of litigation alive. Yeah. And that's that's what worries me. You know, like Ed said, in a lot of cases, the artists just don't want to be bothered and they'll throw them 10,000, whatever, you know, just to make them go away, which then it's like feeding pigeons. They just keep coming back at that point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the it's the seagull approach. Uh, you know, give one a french fry and, you know, you've got a whole flock <laughs> next to you. Um, you know, this, this sort of thing happens in the music industry quite a bit, but it's usually behind closed doors. Somebody will say, uh, hey, we've noticed certain melodic similarities between our yeah. artist and your artist. Uh, you know, we should probably we should probably talk about it and, and resolve this. Oh, okay, it makes sense. I mean, there were only twelve notes in the Western scale. There are That's only right. so many ways that you can put notes together in a pleasing way. 
Uh, and there were only, you know, after generations and generations and generations and, and millions and billions of songs, you are going to have cases where you have somebody independently rediscovering a song structure that somebody may have originally recorded 50 or 70 years ago. So what do you do about that? Well, that's what needs to be sorted. You're, you're right. I mean, where do you draw the line? I mean, if you, okay, so whoever came up with the snare on two and four, uh, there's 90% of popular music, right? I mean, it, it, it's built on these foundational blocks that every artist uses to, I mean, that's what we recognize as music. You had, at some point, you have to just say, no, it's just music. That's what we do. It's ridiculous at some point. Yeah. And that was what we had Sharon was saying. Uh, you know, he, uh, his song has a, uh, with a thinking out loud, has, had some uh, chord changers yeah. that were similar to another Marvin Gaye song. And it was uh, easy enough, and he, he did this a couple of times, was to, as he was performing his song, he would segue into a little bit of Marvin Gaye. Yeah. And like, oh, there, wow, he just, you know, just proved that he ripped everything off. <laughs> well, no. Again, if you're following, if you're following chord changers, and there are only, a, there's a finite number of chord changes that work. Anybody versed in music theory will tell you that. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't lay claim to a chord change progression because then you're, you're, you're wiping out creativity. You're wiping out influence. You're wiping out everything that could follow uh, uh, with those same building blocks. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so much music is built on the exact same foundational pieces. You'd, you'd basically outlaw music. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So we'll follow this. When is this supposed to go to court? Do we know? I mean, like, cause you were talking about dozens of people charged or not charged, but implicated in this and, you know, hundreds and hundreds of different songs. I mean, it sounds monstrous. It does. Uh, and it's going to take a while for, I mean, you know, once a, a writ is dropped, um, how many different law firms are going to be involved in in defending this? Uh, quite a few. Yeah. So it'll be a while before this actually makes its way makes its way through the uh, through the docket. Awesome. Okay, Alan. Thanks so much for joining us. Always appreciate it.